What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Not Just Dribble. I'm your host, Eric Stein. Today, joining me, it's been a long time coming. I'm just getting ease right back. It's Cody Cronin. Welcome back, bud. Uh, pleasure uh, to have you. What's up? Oh, it feels so good to be back. I feel like every time I listen to a saucy topic on like a pod that's not this one or even just this one, and I, I just I'm like, okay, I want to talk about that. Like, I have a take. Or like, let's say I watch like a game like like the playoffs this year. It's like at the end of every playoff game, I was like, okay, I have so many takes and just like I need to review what's going on right now. And all I'm doing is talking to either somebody or I'm just on Twitter. And, you know, I only got like 30 followers. You know, this is a new Twitter account. My last one got hacked, but I just need to get my thoughts out there. And I'm so glad I get that you invited me back on, man. Well, I'm happy to have you. And I mean, yeah, honestly, that's I think that was the start of this podcast in a lot of ways is I have takes. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> I've got takes. <laughs> I got to get takes out before we dive into our bigger topic, which will be the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, and their season. I do want just to basically like set aside five minutes of you know, playoff nonsense. Uh, we're in the throes of it right now. Unfortunately, your team is not currently participating in the playoffs. Uh, they had a shot. They made it interesting. Uh, but aside from the Cavs, who has been the most fun to watch, uh, in your opinion, this this playoffs? So I just want to go ahead and throw it out there. This play-in situation, like before I was a fan of it, biased uh, in a biased way, I am very not so much a fan of it because we were the eighth seed. <laughs> and Jared Allen being out headed towards the end of the – like he, he forced himself back in with the hand injury. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like the Hawks are that example of the team that was a ninth or a tenth seed getting in because through the play-in. So, you know, best of luck to them. You know, it sucks. Because Trey Young, you know, if we're going to review the playoffs, has looked god awful versus the Miami Heat, and he just had a really good half of basketball in the second half of that Cleveland game, and has got them into this situation. So, you know, all the best luck to the Hawks, but at the same time, I feel like my team, the Philadelphia organization, and the fan base of the Knicks as well can all conjoin saying "f Trey Young." So, I'm, <laughs> I am on that bandwagon. But no, listen, Texas. I mean, this postseason. We even talking about it the last couple of years, basically since the KD dynasty of the Golden State Warriors kind of, you know, split apart. The NBA just basically opened up, you know, because LeBron mm -hmm. went out west. You know, the Lakers have, you know, they had that bubble championship. And but outside of that, they've, you know, they've been muddling around. It's been a re really interesting topic on just about every morning talk show. But the NBA is wide open, and it's very evident in the playoffs. I mean, we got two two in with with Minnesota and and uh, Memphis, which like six eight weeks ago, we if that was the, uh, the the you know we were talking about that. I don't think anybody will see that coming. I mean, we have the Nets down three zero to the Boston Celtics. I mean, we're talking like if we go back to February, I don't think anybody sees that, especially if it's like with Harden on the uh, on the Nets. But of course, we had that dramatic trade at the deadline. I'm just saying, like it is. This, there's so many narratives. It's there's a lot of close series. I mean, heaven sakes, the 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 Pelicans because of an injury now are given a run for the number one seed Phoenix Suns, who finished with what was it like 65, 66 wins? They're one of the best regulars, 15 yep. regular seasons in NBA history, and they are having fits with an eighth seed. So I can't I can't be happy enough every night, including while we're recording this podcast. We're probably missing out on good content. It's been a fabulous first round, and it's only going to get better. Yeah. I, wow. I almost want to just cut it right there. That was a clean, like, three and a half. Uh, no, I fully agree, 100%. I mean, 
you said some very interesting takes. The KD Dynasty Warriors uh, is interesting. Warrior fans are going to be up in arms hearing about that. They would tell me it would, would be the Steph Curry Dynasty Warriors or just the Golden State Warriors. But it's an era. I, I totally understand what you're saying. We can uh, say Le- Memphis five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, LeBron going west while he's currently down south in Cancun. Terrific. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I fully agree. I, I love that the NBA is very much in a state of parody. The ID of the best player in the world is truly up in the air. Uh, there's at least this season, I think, three guys that are in contention for that. I think prior to the Brooklyn series, you would have thrown KD as number four in there. But my goodness, uh, he is about to get slandered into oblivion. Uh, well, as far as KD gets slandered, I don't think KD gets slandered uh, all that much in general. So that won't probably won't be too bad. But if they get swept by Boston. I mean, you said we wouldn't be saying that in February. We weren't saying that this month. We were saying it was impossible. Like we couldn't imagine a 4-0 sweep of Brooklyn. Well, here's the other thing with that. And, you know, I think one player that I kind of want to focus on just because the juice is, you know, is just there for him and just like everyone's going to be talking about him in the next week. So you and I have been north and south on Jason Tatum, right? So Mm -hmm. last year, like a year ago, maybe even two years ago, I remember I watched like a USA basketball clip of, you know, one-on-ones, three dribble drills in the half court. And I was just looked at Jason Tatum, the way he's played. And I remember him in that Cavs series back in 2018 when he dunked on LeBron in game seven. Like there's so much evidence for me there to be like, you know what? Jason Tatum's got it. I don't know when he's going to have all of it, but it's there. Like he has the size, the scoring ability. I was like, I I think I went so far to prematurely saying, I think he's the best score one-on-one scorer in the NBA like a while ago. And yeah, this season. Yeah. Yeah. And but at the beginning of the year, he was shooting like 42 percent before Christmas. He was yeah. just jacking left and right. And the Boston Celtics had one of the craziest turnarounds in NBA, maybe in NBA history. And it's definitely the tale of two seasons, full 100 percent. And it's and it's literally at the cutoff of January. Look, if you split the season from October to December, from January to now, the I mean, it's insane, like defensive box plus minus and all the defensive advanced stats and including this evidence of this series against Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum. I mean, let's just say he's an elite defender. There's not a lot of wings who can defend like that, especially against Kevin Durant. And the stats have been there this entire time. And offensively, like I said before, like a year ago, I was saying I think Jason Tatum might be the best half court ISO scorer in the NBA. That's not maybe named Kevin Durant. But look at this. I mean, this series. Paul Pierce may have had the hottest take, but I kind of agree with him when he said we may be watching like the tor- the, the a passing of the torch, at least in the Eastern Conference with Jason Tatum from Kevin Durant. So, I mean, I don't know. I think the Nets are the, their own situation. We got Ben Simmons outfit as a as a as a conversation <laughs> every day. The, the uh, chemistry out there yeah. is really between like two or three guys with, with KD, Kyrie, Kyrie barely. And like Bruce Brown, who for some without him, like this, this isn't even a close point differential as far as the series goes. And in, including against Cleveland, the Nets, Bruce Brown was huge. Like I just outside of three guys who seem to get it, there's no one, there's no camaraderie or chemistry there. It's it's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me because everyone says as far as the skill goes between KD and Kyrie, they're the best. But it's just like this, you know, you need a good team, and and part of being a good team is communication, chemistry, um, being in situations together, understanding each other. These are the things that build up a championship level team. And I, I love that that is now 
being supported by evidence. Yeah, fully. Yeah, I think the Jason Tatum take is is aging like wine for you. Uh, I don't know if you got to see it today, and we'll do this and then head over uh, to talk about Cleveland. Uh, put out a poll earlier uh, today. Biggest reason why the Brooklyn Nets are down 3-0 to Boston. And this is a pick one situation. No, no cop out all the above, even though that's actually the right answer. Um, reason number one, Nash and the coaching staff. Reason number two, Boston's defense. Reason number three, GM and roster construction. And reason number four, KD and Kyrie have to do more. So what? So it's your poll. I actually voted in that poll. I try to take part okay. in what you got going on Twitter, just you know, because I'm trying to support. Also, I love the activity you have on the on the on the site. Thank you. I voted Boston's defense. What did you vote? If you did or could? Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't vote. I never vote in my own polls. I feel like it's. I think I need to start doing it because I see a lot of accounts do that constantly, and actually feel like helps engagement. Strangely enough. Yeah, I would vote Boston's defense, which, you know, uh, at the recording of this is up with a 49, 49% margin. Uh, so the majority, the masses agree. Uh, so I think the interesting thing is all the above is the right answer, but Boston's defense is the main catalyst why that is. Um, Boston's defense is forcing Nash and the coaching staff into tough dilemmas. Katie and Kyrie need to do more because Boston's defense is so good. If this was, you know, an Atlanta Hawks defense or I don't know, I mean, pick your poison of, of poor defenses, which I, now I say that out loud, like there's not a ton in the East this season that were no, you know, in the playoffs that are horrendous. Really isn't. So maybe that's, you know, maybe they would be having this struggle against like the Bucks. I don't know. In any case, Boston's defense deserves a ton of credit. So I, I'm glad that that's winning the poll, but I do think, Nash and the coaching staff, uh, from you know my own eye test as, as well as Nets fans would agree, Nash isn't doing a great job. Uh, but it's a but it's a tough situation. Like he he only had Kyrie sir, uh, some so much of the season. There's so many distractions. Yep. I mean, they had some tough losses that like early on. Those first two games were awesome basketball. They could have went either way. I think we just see a better team in the Celtics than we see in the Nets and. I mean, Ben Simmons is a part of it. Like, if that, I mean, he's a two way. Uh, I mean, I know you're going to disagree with me, but I think he's a, is a two way all star that just doesn't want to shoot jump shots. But as soon as he gets on this court, we all know he's going to start shooting jump shots. Like, come on. If he's out there, that's a max salary player that you're missing out on. And the Sixers were missing a max salary guy or spot on their roster. And we saw them muddling around three, four, five. And now all of a sudden they look like they could be. I mean, they finished as a five, but after they got a max player in there, you know, it started looking a little bit more positive. So, yeah, I mean, I, w- I was with you. Nash just doesn't have has not had an easy job all season. Uh, working with superstars is not easy for anyone. And, you know, trading Harden, like you said, like that is a shakeup that even with getting some supporting pieces back is not enough, especially with Ben being out. Despite me, yes, disagreeing that Ben is a two way uh, all star. He's a one way all star, but that's either near nor there. The Nets, I do, I do think, have to look in the mirror very seriously this offseason. And that's a whole organization top to bottom. But now I want to talk about a different organization. I want to talk about your favorite organization, and that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. First off, how do you feel about the season uh, scale of one to five? We'll do it like our movies. I'll go, I'll go 6.1. Or actually, uh, let me change. I'll go 6.9 just for the laughs. 
Okay, I did say one out of five. So are we doing one out of ten or one out of five? No, no, I am just that big on the season. I'm a whole oh one point nine okay. to to get the the sexual reference in there. I nice. I am so I am I am incredibly. I this season I'll be real with you, Texas. I've I've said this before. I, I keep calling you Texas. Just guys, this is his nickname for I'm a hometown got friend of his. We've known each other since high school. His name is Texas. He's gonna call himself Derek. He's Texas. <laughs> <laughs> they but found anyway, out my real government name now they, okay they got your government name it's out there on the pod now oh, no. um this, so look listen when it comes to the end of the season obviously i'm disappointed i wish that if if we didn't have the play in tournament set up now we would have been against the heat and i actually think that if we had a healthy jared allen against miami i think that's a that's a series i think that's seven games six seven games depend going either way depending on you know, what we have, um, you know, we lost Colin Sexton early on in the season, but that kind of also helped open up things for Garland to become what he is. But that's the, that's kind of the narrative of this team is a lot of players and as a unit and as individuals just taking huge steps and huge strides in such a short amount of time. As I was saying before, like I'm a spoiled basketball fan. I've watched my team go to four straight finals. We've had, you know, the second best basketball player of all time, you know, some people may say he's the GOAT, was born in Northeast Ohio and Cleveland happened to have a number one pick and he has that tie to that team. I am spoiled because of that anomaly. However, this has outside of that and even with that being considered all those LeBron years, this is my favorite year as a Cavaliers fan because of the expectations, because of the roster construction and, and the improvement, the chemistry. I don't know if anybody in the NBA has had more fun playing basketball than the Cavaliers. And I mean that. I mean, you could say the Grizzlies, but I mean, the Grizzlies just look angry all the time because of how much shit they're just talking constantly. <laughs> like the Cavs are just, they look like they're at a playground every other day. Even when they're down by five, like they're just having fun. They got the gold chain that they pass around the locker room for whoever's like the player of the game. And they do like some real awesome, like like gangster looking like photo. Everyone's mean. And it's it's just, it's so awesome watching this team kind of grow the way they have and de- and develop the chemistry and lo- and brotherhood as a unit. So regardless if we made the playoffs, if we didn't make the play-in, if we fall out of the play-in, I, I, I still would have looked back as this season as a total success. Wow, that's yeah, it's great analysis. I don't really have any follow-up because you kind of you kind of hit it on the nail on the head. I do think they're they look like they're having fun and that made for a really fun product. I think for all for NBA fans everywhere, I I agreed if Jared Allen was healthy, like that was the criminal thing about it all that Allen wasn't healthy. Uh, To me, he was your second most important player uh, or second best player, either one truly uh, for this season. So not having him was just a disservice to NBA fans, not be able to see more of Cleveland. I mean, the all-star game that you guys had this year, that Cleveland got to host. That was a ton of fun. I mean, that that group shot of Allen, Garland, and Mobley. Uh, I think that was the skills competition, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we won that. So they changed up the way the skills competition right. looked. And it was like Cleveland, the home team, got to represent. And they won, which was awesome. Yeah, I think that group shot is going to be, you know, I, I think the beginning of something bigger. Uh, and I mean, you saying, you know, this is your favorite team, uh, you know, compared to the 2016 championship championship team uh that's yeah that's impressive i mean this is a lot of fun though uh, absolutely because in 2016 like it's a follow-up from the uh the previous year where they lost kevin love and kyrie leading into the finals you know kyrie game one 
And then the 3-1 comeback, which is honestly one of the craziest things in NBA history. And, you know, I'm, again, very spoiled. But to, 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 to exceed expectations, whereas the expectations for that 2016 team were so, like, like if it wasn't Cleveland and Golden State again, like the NBA community would have been disappointed, not just Cleveland Cavalier fans. And it was. And it was for four years in a row. And we loved it. This year, we were projected to be the 26th best team in the NBA. Uh, you could yep. just say fourth worst. I'm fine with either one. And we had a two seed and a three seed for, you know, back in January, February. And we've experienced, you know, injuries. We've experienced, you know, you know, people in and out of the lineup, you know, trades, people that, uh, you know, guys like Laurie Markkinen, who got his first year here, um, playing a significant role as a, like a small forward on our team. I mean, like, there's so many different narratives to to go with this, and uh, and one other thing to add on top of that, like, isn't it something special to watch a team like go through adversity and come on the other top better? And I think that's that that is like one of my favorite things to see, and I've seen it all year with Cleveland. No, that's a really good point. Uh, I think I think I had a soft spot for Cleveland this season. I've done this with every small market team. I think I've just I've come to the conclusion I'm a small market merchant and I'm just, you know, a sucker for an underdog story uh, because I'm basically a Memphis fan. You know, I, I've called them my guilty pleasure team because Philadelphia is just my like displeasure team. It's just a stress team. Uh, I, like I'm compelled to root for them, but they make me age uh, double every day. Uh, Memphis, I just enjoy outright. They're just fun to watch, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's great time. But I feel Cleveland like that also goes along. I feel like uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just feel like that also with that Philadelphia take. That's just your passion, man. Like you, right. you were born and raised a Sixers fan. You're watching the games with your dad. Like, of course, you, I mean, around here we're always angry, right? Like, no matter what <laughs> it is, we're pissed off at something. It's true. It's true. There's there's it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Truly, like plays the title so well. But, you know, you're right. You're right. And Cleveland has been fun. Like, I, I've really enjoyed like Garland. And I think we'll just we'll just use this as a an easy segue. You know, for topics, uh, I had best and worst player. I don't want to use this space to, like, completely knock somebody. I don't want to call them the worst player, but someone who had a tough season also would take injuries out. Like, I think Alan Sexton probably would be up. But if you're injured, you're injured. Like, that's not fair. But who had the toughest season, least productive, whatever, for the Cavs? Who, who are you hoping for better in the future? So hoping for better is an interesting, like, I, I hate to say it, but that's like an interesting t- like way to phrase that because I look at our roster construction and there's so much promise, but at the same time, like, like go through our starting lineups. Like, okay, one, our starting lineup has changed, but like, let's just say, sure. you know, yeah. everyone's healthy. It's a 2K offseason. We just put our five best guys out there. We got Garland, Mobley, Allen, probably say Sexton and Marketing or Okoro, depending on what kind of team you're playing against, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody on that list is 20. The oldest person is Laurie Marketing. He's 24 years old. That, like, right? Right. Yeah. Like, like, so, so you're going to sit here and say, ask me, like, who do, who do I think am I most disappointed by? Like, I'll be real with you. Karis LeVert, it just, uh, like, I like the idea of bringing in a shot creator, but there are some times where I watch him and I'm just like, man, like, you're just not the same, like, every night. You are, I see a different kind of 
guy with confidence, you know, sometimes and sometimes. So if I had to pick somebody, it'd be Karis LeVert. And if I had to say a roster change, I feel like Karis LeVert is the one because there's a lot of max deals that are going to be coming up. You know, I just mentioned the age of a lot of these players. Like, we're going to want to build a nucleus around these guys because we've already seen that there is so much room for the grow in Isaiah, uh, Isaac Okoro, who could be like a really good defender, already is a good defender, could improve on the defense and start hitting some threes, which would be lovely. You know, Laurie Markinen, if you get him in a certain role, like he he's a seven-footer that with some ball skills, like that's going to be valuable going down the line. Jared Allen, Mobley, and Garland kind of speak for themselves. Like the sky's the limit with a lot of these guys. And I just feel like we're going to have to like pay them out and that's going to happen naturally. And Karis LeVert, I feel, being 27 years old, you know, next year is his contract year. You know, Sexton doesn't have a contract. He's going to be a restricted free agent next year. Like, I just feel like that's something that needs to go uh, to open up room for something. So that would be my low man. But outside of that, like, I'm I'm actually pretty satisfied with this roster up and down. Yeah, and I think that's good to hear. And I, I like that LeVert pick because I think he ended up being the odd man out. Uh, with this team and of course you know he's a mid-season trade guy so you know maybe that doesn't have the the same chance to integrate himself and be able to utilize his talents but I think that is going to look interesting uh, this offseason to see where he fits and then we'll get into offseason stuff so we'll we'll just we'll we'll save that one but we'll talk about you would second that though with Karis LeVert then yeah no I do I agree I, I think you know, I have my grievances, I guess you could say, with guys like Jetty Osman, but I'm I don't know. Like I, I think for the role that he played, I think he did fine. I think he did have good stretches during the season. I just found him inconsistent. And you know, if you're not the two way value guy on top of not being a consistent offensive player, I I don't love that on my roster. But again, I'm nitpicking. Karis Levert, I think it makes a lot more sense, especially given given the question. Uh, but who's the best player then? Who And I do want your, if that's a different player, let's say, like who's the best player and who had the best season? Maybe those are the same player, but it could be two different. So I actually do think it is two different guys. So I think easily our best player is Darius Garland. I, I, uh, I want to say I want to go a different route with that. But if I do that, I'm doing a disservice to what we have in Garland. I mean, but if you talk to like, or if you listen to, you know, NBA players talk and reviewing some people who have like, you know, watched Darius Garland in high school and kind of like in his younger, like people thought he was a God, like he was amazing in high school. And I think that one thing he had to get used to is the, the length of the NBA season, you know, the, I think he had to get used to, you know, to get confident and honestly, Colin Sexton getting hurt as much as I'd want to say that, like, I want to see that off ball score, or just just on ball, just a score in general with Sexton on this roster. Having him go out really opened up the floor for Garland to expand his game and kind of just you know have his turn per se to take the wheels. And I mean, with 22 points per game, eight and a half assists. Another thing about Darius Garland, and you know he has eight and a half assists uh, uh, as a season average, which is I think like fourth or third or fourth in the NBA, definitely top seven. A lot, I, I, I will go so far to say his passing IQ is maybe the best part of his game. And to see say a 22-year-old is can consistently be one of the better passers in the NBA going forward already is is kind of insane to, to just leave it at that, let alone his three-point shot creating and 
and everything else. But I will say this. I'm going to, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to have these long winded takes, but I kind of want to get into what I think is the most important player, not the best player. And I would say that's Mobley. Okay. Yeah. No, I, no, I like the, the Garland praise. I fully agree. I mean, Garland's my pick for the best player. I would say most important as well. I, I fully acknowledging that I think there are two other cases with Allen and like you said, Mobley, but I love Garland's upside. His passing IQ, honestly, like you said, I mean, he gives me shades of CP3. Now, I know yep. that sounds outlandish to some. I'm not going to compare him to defense with CP3. That would be outrageous. Garland just simply is not anywhere close to that yet. Although, when you're a smart player, you tend to be decent on defense as long as you put forth the effort. So that's if he can just do that, then I think he can at least get bare minimum neutral uh, for given seasons for the rest of his career. So I do want to say that. But everything else, I mean, shot selection is terrific. Uh, secondary reads, whether with the ball or just as a secondary playmaker, I love his mid-range, like his mid-range efficiency as well as selection did not get enough consideration this year. Uh, like he was in the echelon of KD's, Kyrie's, Seth Curry's, like he was just beneath them in terms of efficiency and how consistent he got those looks. His and it's because he's such a good shot creator from beyond the arc is why his mid range doesn't get talked about. There's a lot of great NBA players that we don't talk about their two point game, which as everybody knows becomes so much more essential in the playoffs. Um, right. Yeah. It's 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 kind of and and his ability to finish around the basket, like you said, you see shades of CP three, which you know is. Uh, you know, some people may say that's like a bit of a hot take because of how premature it is, but let's yeah, just call it's a high spade. praise for sure. Let's just let's just call a spade a spade. The guy's a ninety percent free throw shooter. He doesn't miss his free throws. Doesn't get to the line that often. That's because he's shooting a lot of threes. He attempted about seven threes a game this year, which definitely could get bumped up. But that's just also because he's a great passer. Twenty-two points per game, about twenty-two points per game on fifty-three percent effective field goal percentage. I mean, he's he's hitting fifty-one percent of his twos, and the guy's six foot one. Yep. Like, like, I mean, what else do you want from a point guard? And you know what was so awesome about this season, I think, was my favorite part about this year is like, A, we didn't have any expectations. Like I said, 26th best or fourth worst. Either way, it's pretty god darn awful. It's the same thing. I know it's just however you say it. Right. But this team got so many players of these like at these age of like 21, 20, you know, Mobley being 20, Garland being 22. They got to develop in these tight games and in these games that matter so quickly and with so much experience. Like there was times where Garland, and this was probably the biggest knock on our team, was the only creator on the floor. Like because you know Mobley still has a long way to go. Jared Allen, you know, is primary. You know, he, he can't be the sole ball scorer for a team. That's just not his role. It's not how he's been. He's developed some you know some shot making abilities from the post and a mid range jump shot here and there. But, like, Garland was basically by himself on the perimeter, making every play, making every decision. And we saw games where he had 16, 17, 18 assists with minimal turnovers. Like, he's got to grow. He's grown so much this year. And he's had so much pressure on his shoulders all year by being the sole creator, playmaker for this team. And I think it's been a phenomenal development. I just don't want to see it all because it's not winning basketball. You could just, you know, that's easy to shut down, especially in a playoff game. 
And that'll do it for part one of Cody and I's conversation about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Thank you all for tuning in. Part two will be released in a few days. Once again, appreciate the time. Everyone be sure to have a good day.